Lafondre looking to get side of Font. Lafondre away from David. 3-1 running. Three points running. Hello, welcome to the Elm Park Royals podcast, supported by Blue Collar Street Food. I'm Alex, your host. Been joined today by Matt Lansley and Paul to discuss a 2-0 victory against Charlton Athletic. Paul, I've been coming a little bit addicted to these winning podcasts. I've been holding that one for 24 hours since our win. Are you pleased with it? Uh, yeah. Um, maybe I'm glad you didn't share that one before because I would have said it's not a good idea. But you've just gone in with it now, so it's too late, isn't it? Um, uh, yeah, no, it's fantastic, isn't it? I'm never going to get bored of talking about us in a positive manner after such a long period. But, wow, let's not think about that. Let's talk about how good it is to be a Reading fan right now. Matt, one loss in 12. The last time Reading had one loss in 12, when was it? 2012, I think. Yeah, 2012. Yeah. day we won the championship title last time was the last time Reading had this run of form, which is kind of ridiculous when you consider it. We're over a decade on and we haven't had form this good since then. I mean, it just uh, so, it just shows what the last few, well, not even few years, ten years have been like, doesn't it? It's just been you know turgid for so long. Even even the good seasons that you know we've had under the likes of Yapstam and um, Paunovic that first season he had. Yeah, we've reached a playoff final in that period as well. It's, yeah, we're in nice uncharted point. territory here for the Alpine Royals podcast at this point with this form. So we don't know what to do with ourselves. No, so you'll have to forgive us if uh, the podcasts uh, end up being a bit weird because no one really knows how to react anymore to, to winning podca- uh, winning matches, but it's lovely that we keep doing it. Yesterday, we played Charlton at home, 2-0 victory. I'll be honest, I considered the fact that yesterday, before we go you know, a bit deeper into the game, we can kind of give our initial thoughts. I thought yesterday, Paul, was probably the most routine victory we've had all season and maybe one of our strongest performances, to be honest, as well. Yeah, all season, we haven't had that many routine ones at all. So, yeah, off the top of my head, it's got to be right up there. I can't think of any other ones that have been as kind of smooth as that button, I think, had one save to make in the whole match which he definitely should make um that was it um always throughout the game even when we getting a little bit into the second half I thought we're going to get a chance from somewhere I wasn't quite sure where it was going to come from because we didn't have a constant pattern of play where you thought oh, surely at some point it's going to happen but I don't know you just I'm gaining faith in the team Alex um it's a really weird feeling, but I'm enjoying it. No, I agree. Definitely gaining faith. But for me, the yesterday was the first time after that initial opening period of the game. Yesterday was probably one of the first times this season where I've been at a game and thought, you know what? I feel like it's if not when we're going to win this game. It, it really didn't. It it never felt in doubt after that opening 15 minutes or so, I think, Matt. Yeah, Um for me, it was very much like the Stevenage game earlier in the season where where, where we won 2-0, but obviously Stevenage were down to 10 men um, for that game. So obviously once they went down to 10 men, it was it, that was almost a, a, a thing of if not when and we had to ride out a bit of a storm early in that game. But yeah, like yesterday, it was just nice to kind of have that confidence and maybe that speaks volumes for where I guess Charlton are at the moment. I mean, you know, they're in a horrid run of form, to be honest. You know, Nathan Jones has got one hell of a job. You know, on on his hands there, he's definitely going to be trying to um, 
uh, earn his worth there to pull them out of it. But yeah, it's it sounds it sounds weird that you know we've been doing this podcast for you know how many years six seven years and very few times in that time have we probably been able to say that we've actually got confidence in this team when they're playing and confidence they're going to go through a game and actually get a score or get 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 a goal you know and win the game comfortably it's i think the only other time really we might have had this sort of feel good feeling was that first season under um, um, Paunovic you know where we won seven or so on the bounce and it was just kind of ecstasy territory kind of at the end of that run but but yeah look it it was there was lots of good performances we'll dive into um, you know some some of the standouts I'm sure but it's just nice seeing seeing a nice um, team that can just continually play we're not making many changes we know the starting 11 and there's some likeable characters in that starting 11 as well. I mean, in the starting 11, yesterday we made no changes. With the amount of games we've got coming up, because obviously we've got a game on Tuesday night, we've got a game next Saturday. I think we've got a game the following Tuesday after that against Port Vale as well, then the following Saturday. So, we've, you know, we've got, I think it's another five games before the end of February. Are you surprised that we didn't make any changes yesterday, Paul, to the starting lineup? No, no, no. I think you should keep the team. They just had a really good win at Stevenage. I, I don't see any reason. Um, team's playing well. It's good to see Savage getting some chances to, you know, start the match. Um, yeah, I think maybe we should, like, try out about him because he obviously had a rough period, really difficult period. He came in initially, started quite well, and then, like, the whole the rest of the team, they really struggled for a good you know, period of time there. But now he's playing in his uh, much better position. I feel like he wasn't phenomenal yesterday. He, he wasn't you know, breaking any records there with his performance. But he's just starting to find these extra little passes in his game now. And that's what we want. We need that player in there who can break the lines. And he did it once yesterday with Sam Smith. But what do you think on that, Matt? Uh, thoughts on Charlie? Yeah, like, I mean... I always thought that there was there was going to be a player in there. You know, early, early in the season, you could see that there was something something different about him. He's got very good kind of awareness in the game. He's got good spatial awareness on the pitch. He knows when a player's pressing him. He knows where to turn, etc. The problem earlier in the season, um, I think a lot of it, you could probably say, say this for a number of the Reading players, was confidence. I mean, I don't know whether... I mean, it's a big move, really, for someone like Savage to, you know, move from Manchester, being part of, you know, the academy up there and having to pretty much start up a life, you know, 200 odd miles away from you know where you'd call home it's a big move for someone who's 20 years old or 21 um so maybe it took him a bit of time to settle down get his confidence down here but earlier in the season we weren't seeing him trying these progressive passes forwards you know these cross field switches these balls in behind like he did to smith in the first half but he's trying them now yeah not every single one of them is coming off but i'd much rather him try you know six of those passes and four of them come off you know than try one of those passes or two of those passes per game. Um, And, I mean, you can really see he's playing with a lot more confidence now than he was back at the start of the season, for whatever reason that might be. I guess, you know, we won't know unless, you know, he he kind of says. But it's it's really, really nice because now we've got some competition there because, you know, Craig, I guess, has maybe been forced out of the team. Um, But you've got to give Savage Savage some props um, for for kind of how he's... he's, um, really come into this team of late and flourished really it's funny i don't actually uh 
look back on the earlier portion of the season and think I I really didn't give Savage much in the way of a chance in this team because I think Craig came in and played so well. And I thought, you know what, Savage was going to really struggle to get back into the team. However, the rotation that has happened over the last three, four, five weeks with Savage and Craig has worked. And I think it definitely has given Savage some confidence in the fact that, you know, he's not just completely like blasted out of the team and, you know, destined to sit on the bench for the rest of the season, which is clearly has helped him um, in somewhat. Confidence is obviously a thing, like you said, Matt, as well. But I think yesterday was, it was one of his best games. Was it perfect? No, but it, it had enough there that you can be like, you know what, it was a, it was a solid seven out of 10 kind of game. And I can remember maybe one thing yesterday where I went, mm, don't really think that was that good. But apart from that, everything else was like just good. It was it. None of it was brilliant. None of it was amazing, but it was, yeah, everything was just good from him yesterday. Um, keeps the ball moving very well from defense now, uh, which is, I think something that we struggled with earlier in the season. And to be honest, the more you look back at the earlier portion of the season, I think the more that, you can probably say that the the kind of the two pivot role that he was sat in really didn't help him whatsoever, having to play alongside someone. I don't necessarily think he's a great defensive midfielder on his own, but when you're in a team which is uh, slightly more dominant in possession and not having to rely on having that kind of like extra protection for the defence, he is a good option there. Whereas when we're going to be playing against a team, you know, close to the top of the table, Portsmouth, Bolton, whoever, maybe Craig is a better option because we're going to have less of the ball and we're going to actually have to, you know, give the defence a bit more protection. I mean, one thing, though, I think that maybe has changed because like, it seemed yesterday like Aziz, Nibs and Ia Bishman were playing a lot further forward and almost Craig and Savage were playing almost in a much deeper lying position, um, which... Is interesting, obviously. Sellers, you know, his first formation was four four two two two. Then it that evolved into a four a four one four one. I guess a four one four one can almost be thought of as a four three three or even potentially a four two three one, depending on how the players kind of shift around the pitch. But yesterday seemed very much more like a four two three one, which I guess is maybe one of the first times we've almost seen that under Sellers. Maybe we we might have actually done it against Stevenage as well, looking back on it, but the evolution really of, I guess, the team and maybe it's Sellers tinkering with things a little bit or trying to adapt to the opposition, but that certainly might have helped help Savage. It, it's um, definitely it's definitely fluid, the uh, the formation, certainly. I can't see um I can't see Savage continuously being in the team because I think we will rotate just to freshen things up as well. Like you say, Alex, at the start of this, we've got so many games coming up. I don't think that's a reflection on performance. It's just the reality of being <laughs> on that schedule, isn't it? So it's he might also there. get five yellow cards at some point as well, because he's um, j- just like Craig. They, they they both really do like getting a yellow card. It's almost like um, whoever starts always comes off because they're on a yellow. I will say last word, last word here on Charlie Savage for now is that the one thing that I've really been pleased with compared to, let's say, September, October time, is he actually wants to go in for a 50-50 challenge all of a sudden. If you go back and watch any of those games from September, October time and listen to any of our podcasts, the one thing that consistently we would criticise him for is he never looked like he wants to make a tackle or go in for a 50-50. And actually, even the ones which were 70-30 in his favour, he would quite routinely not go in for and pull out of them. And yesterday, in Stevenage, 
he was very, very happy just to absolutely go in and put himself into a challenge, a 50-50 challenge or even a you know, 40-60 kind of challenge. I think that's the ethos of the whole team now, though, isn't it? They're all for one. You know, I could do a Musketeers song here, but I'm not going to do that. Don't worry. But it, it does feel like that when you watch them. They're all kind of like, and it shows in the fact that there's so many times they've gone behind in games and they come back now. You know, you don't have that with a little bit of belief in each other and a bit of spirit now. And I think that if you don't put that F in, you're going to get a bollocking from one of the other players. And that's what you need, isn't it? So, you know, he's still young. Let's not forget that. This is his first real proper full season. So let's hope he continues to improve. And let's hope he just enjoys his football. And if, we, if that's the case, we're all benefit. First mm, 10 minutes, I would say, yesterday, Matt, the, the Charlton fans were... I, I give the Charlton fans credit for that first 10 minutes because they were very loud for 10 minutes or so. And then I feel like the turning point was there was a corner down in the Club 1871, uh, Sir John Medesi stand corner, which Lewis Wing took. And it, it was a fantastic corner, a credit to both Savage and Wing for the first half, especially for our set pieces, because they were, you know, excellent deliveries nearly every time. But this one was especially good. And it was crossed in from Wing. Fairly certain it would have gone in had the keeper not have managed to punch it away. Punches it back out to Wing, who cuts in and has a shot, which gets saved as well. And it felt like that was the turning point of the game, really, after about, what, 13 minutes? Because before that, Reading had struggled a bit to get their foot on the ball. I mean, I think everyone expected this Charlton side to come out quite quickly and, you know, with a point to prove, new manager and everything, you know, it, it's it's almost going to happen, right, with whoever you've got coming in, um, especially someone like Nathan Jones. And, you know, I guess, I mean, when we spoke to um, uh, Louis from Charlton Live before the game, you know, he was talking about kind of how, how there was a real kind of feel good around around Charlton which is odd given obviously they I think they'll win less than 12 and you know the run that they're on but they really had some belief that this is a page turning and you know you kind of I guess felt that from the Charlton fans you know with how they were backing the team um but again with this with this Reading team one thing that they've learned to do is ride ride out tough patches without giving out too many opportunities to Charlton. Again, Charlton had a lot of the ball. We just needed to get on our foot on the ball and just slow things down, but we couldn't. But the defence didn't didn't crumble. They didn't really give up any opportunities that I can that I can remember. Um and like you say, we get that corner down down um in front of Club 1871 and I it reminded me a few times of what Swift used to do. I like, like, like I, I seem to remember Swift used to do do a few shots like that and free kicks from um, that sort of area. I remember he scored a couple. I think in his early days, Ollie Norwood, I think, had one that I always remember as well. I think it was against Brighton in 2016, which flew in um, from, from that sort of angle. But I mean, again, confidence. You know, Lewis Wing, he's he's playing quite well at the moment. He's got the confidence to be able to take on a shot from a tight angle like that and force a very good save from the goalkeeper um and from from that point we we really started to come into the game you know we started getting our foot on the ball a lot more we weren't just you know losing it in in the charlton press we weren't just lumping it back to charlton like the first 10 15 minutes we were doing um and it like it just started started to get a little bit more comfortable really for reading the first, well, after that, Paul, the bit with Smith and Savage, we've kind of touched on it 
briefly there while we were talking about Charlie Savage. The pass through from uh, from him kind of lobbed over or around the defender. Not quite sure. Um, but Smith got on the end of it and took it with his left foot. And I, I think like this is the first chance that Smith has had it from open play for probably three or four games now. Um, and he's hit it well enough. Keeper's made a good save. Good, I think he's a, a lone keeper from Charlton. Um, he had a good game yesterday, in all honesty, considering that we won 2 0 I four because he made this save and then he manages to kind of like claw the rebound away from Smith because otherwise Smith would have definitely been able to tuck away the rebound had the, had the keeper not pushed it away. But I feel like Smith was unfortunate not to get a goal yesterday in reality because he had this and then a, another chance in the second half. And, it, you know, it's been a little while now since he's got a goal, but I don't think he's playing badly. No, I don't think he's playing badly at all, as we said the other day on the last podcast. Uh, he, he was still contributing massively to this team because if you take him out, you haven't got that little shit up front, which the opposition will call him, because he is a pain in the ass. He just holds the ball up. He does all the ugly things that you want. He wins headers he shouldn't win. He delays it. He's what you want in League One, isn't he? And he will score goals. We know he's you- been like this stuff. One thing you didn't get yesterday, though, Paul, we can we can quickly move from Smith into the referee here because the referee he didn't get a free kick from the ref all day for every time he every time the Charlton centre back had his arms wrapped around Smith and every time drags him to the ground. Referee was fucking appalling. It's got to be said. I don't know whether he was worse than the one against Stevenage. I think he probably was. It was the same referee who got chased off of the pitch at the Portsmouth Port Vale game a few weeks ago. You can see why. Yeah. No, 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 no. I'm not going to get involved in that. I don't condone that, but I mean, he was shockingly bad. Like, like, that is up there with one of the worst refereeing performances I've seen from a ref in my all my years of watching football. He was woefully bad. Maybe refereeing just isn't for him. I'm just going to say. Now, these are all opinions are fine, but chasing someone off a pitch, no. <laughs> I'm not going to get involved in that. I, I, I'm, I'm not getting involved Apologies, by the way, to Matt Gray, who said, can we have an episode about any referee bashing? Because, no, we can't. He was really We bad. failed. We failed. It's, it's, it's impossible in League Maybe One. Maybe next week. Who knows? Mm. But probably not. We're in League One. so I reckon a good week for that, Matt, is probably the international one. <laughs> no, you'll be safe then. <laughs> No, no. I mean, you look at Sam Smith and you think the goals will come from throughout the whole of his career. He's been streaky. We all know that. I mean, he did have the really big chance against Stevenage as well, didn't he? Well, he probably should have scored that when he's gone around the goalie. But, you know, if it's better that you're in a team when you're getting chances than consistently playing matches and having no chances because he will get there. And if he doesn't score, someone else will score. That's the thing about the team now. We're not just relying on him. Yeah, I mean, earlier in the season, we all said about we're relying on Smith. Smith's going to be the player who keeps us up. We've got to have Smith in the team. And the reality is, yes, it's great that we've got Smith in the team. But actually, I don't think we rely on Smith to keep us up. We rely on him in terms of the way we play, but not necessarily his goals now at this point, I think, Matt, which is a, a big change. And I actually, we lost one of the things I think it'd be a big loss. Oh, yeah, certainly. If he wasn't playing, we would be a completely different team. I agree. But it's more that we don't rely on him for goal scoring purely. Um, And one of the things that I think, you know, you you sometimes have seen criticism from Reading fans this season for is that we don't score enough goals. And I I think it's a bit unfair at this point 
Matt, because we're actually, we, you know, we're up to 40, 40 goals this season now. We're actually mm-hmm. only a few goals away from what we scored the entirety of last season in the league. Um, mm-hmm. We've got more goals than, you know, a few teams in the top 10. We've got as many goals as, we've almost got as many goals as Wigan, who are, you know, almost top half. I don't think we've been bad in uh, in terms of the goal scoring numbers this season. So I, I don't think it's a particularly fair criticism anymore to say that we don't score goals. I think we've only failed to score now once in 18 or something. And that was the Wigan game a few weeks ago, which we lost. You've summed up perfectly. You know, I think it's, it's not just the fact that, you know, I think that we're scoring goals. We're scoring goals regularly. You know, to say that this team is is struggling with goals, I just don't think is, you know, factually correct, to be honest, you know, anymore. Um, it, it's, yeah, you know, I, I, it's a much nicer place to be in right now than we were last season. Like you say, we are, um, sorry, Paul's just put on a clown wig just out of, out of nowhere. It's completely thrown me. <laughs> but, yeah, if it's if it's not Smith, it's Nibs. If it's not Nibs, it's Aziz. You know, Wings popping up with a few. Savage has got a few this season. Kelvin, it'll be it'll be good to see him get a few more few more goals. Um, you know, this season, there's goals coming from all all around the pitch. And yeah, I I think if 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 you're thinking or if anyone's thinking that this team doesn't score goals, just look back at the fixture list and kind of see actually how many goals that we've drawn blanks in this season. I think it's only three or four. You know, which given that you know we've we're, we're up to what thirty-one games now, it's not exactly a bad record. It doesn't suggest that we've got problems scoring goals. I've really been thrown by this whole podcast. I was listening to you, Matt, but I've been thrown by Paul deciding that he wants to look like Dai Young for some reason. <laughs> Clown wig and mask on halfway through your answer there. I'm sorry, um, but I have to admit what the truth was: the six-nil Arsenal came up, and I thought that was magnificent. <laughs> it's like... Yeah, we're recording this on Sunday afternoon, so we've all got the Arsenal-West Ham game on in the background. Arsenal are absolutely creaming West Ham, which is quite amusing. Um, Paul, the second half, it was a little slower, I think, to begin with. Um, up until, you know, up until the goal, Reading, they didn't... It's not that they weren't creating chances, but there wasn't, like, a big chance in that second half. Um, and then all of a sudden, kind of our new secret weapon gets unleashed in the second half on the right-hand side. Mbengue comes up, trumps again with his second assist in as many games from a long throw-in. And Aziz scores for the first time in a while. Quite literally unleashed. <laughs> I mean, it's like a missile when he's throwing that ball in now. He's got that kind of like sidewinder technique. Did you did you see did you hear about this? Ruben Sellers gave an interview afterwards about the fact that they've been studying the way that the the way the Liverpool set pieces coach, they've been studying how he teaches set pieces and he's gained five meters on his throw in. Yeah, I did see that, and I did enjoy the Harvey Nibs put up that picture of uh, Mbengate and uh, Rory Delap. <laughs> but it's like the sidewinder. City. Yeah, 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 definitely. Is, is Ruben Sellers the new Tony Pulis? Is he the Spanish Tony <laughs> well, Pulis? You know what? If he gets us in the Premier League and keeps us there for four or five years, I'll take that. <laughs> it's like <laughs> I'm not betting on that though, in any way or form. But yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? For like seasons. I've been saying in games, and I'm sure I'm not the only one, 
Why do we keep on doing the long throws? We never get anything from them. Paul, we've got three goals in a week from them now. So I don't know. It is odd, isn't it? You've got to say it's poor defending from Charlton on both of them. But what finishes by Femi, though? Absolute class. I mean, the second one is just ridiculous. But the first one we should focus on. That's the big moment, isn't it? Changing yeah, the game. Yeah, so the first one gets thrown in from the right-hand side by uh, by Mbengue. Like we say, he's got a ridiculously long throw in now. It just about reaches the six-yard box, I think. And no one really gets their head on it to begin with. And it, I mean, Aziz jumps up, Nibs jumps up, a couple of Charlton players, they all miss it. And it kind of just bounces around on the corner of the six-yard box. And Aziz spins, hits it first time on the volley with his left foot, Matt. And I saw a video this morning on Twitter, which was a kind of Aziz could have his own goal of the season competition this year because you look at it and all of Aziz's finishes are like he takes the lever off of the ball every time, doesn't he? Every time the ball ends up in the net, you think he's he could have burst the ball. He doesn't score tappings, does he? Um, I think that's 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 one thing that um, I know. I know his, his first yesterday was from like five yards, but I mean, even from five yards, he's just absolutely twatting it into the top corner, you know. Um, so it's um, yeah, you know, like I, I'm I'm just super happy for him, you know, because like he's he's had a quieter patch, you know, he had his real purple patch. Um, you know, end, end of November, start of December, where he was really becoming, you know, one of the most influential players, if not probably the most influential player in the team. As we'd kind of said in podcasts previous, you know, it's unfair to expect that of him every game. Um, but I mean, you know, even even yesterday, he probably had a slightly quieter game than, than normal, but he's popped up with two really, really good and important goals. I mean, the technique, I mean, the first one is bouncing to volley it the way he did. I know Charlton, I think the Charlton players were claiming handball. I don't know if they were claiming it on either Binden in the middle when it was like bouncing about or Femi Aziz if it rolls off his and I, I, I can't say it. given the given the absolute, you know, blindness of the referee in the first half to miss the very clear and obvious oh, handball yeah, for off us. Of the corner. Mm. We can probably call it even even it was a handball. Yeah. No, 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 I agree, you know, and um, like, yeah, but it's it's just nice seeing him back, back in, back in the goals and, you know, ho- hopefully again, confidence for him is a big thing. Hopefully he can kind of, kind of kick on. We've got some big games coming up, you know, he's going to be crucial in those games. Um, but I mean, Paul, you said before, you know, we're going to have a game at some point where kind of the opposition forgets about Femi Aziz or kind of forgets that he's one of our most influential players. Um did Charlton yesterday, or are we going to still be waiting for that? Because obviously he got two goals yesterday. You got to give him credit for that. But um, but yeah, what, what what's your thoughts? Yeah, I think I've listened to a few Charlton podcasts since yesterday because it's interesting to see what they think about our performance. And they say that Femi Aziz was the pain for them throughout the whole of the game. And you kind of get used to seeing him doing his performances now. After the Oxford match, he got a bit of criticism and. Some people saying, oh, I wish you'd gone, you know, to Plymouth or whatever. You know, people don't really mean this. They're frustrated, aren't they? A bit. But you've got to stick with this kind of player because he will have games when you think, oh, I'm not sure what he's doing. But he can create magic in this league. I mean, the second I, goal. I definitely think the me. second half, even if you take away the two goals, which he scored, I think the second half, you can see how dangerous it is because of the fact mm. that a lot of the kind of attacks that we do create, especially the counter-attacks, come from him. 
Yeah, we don't necessarily just create their back. They cannot attack us so much down that side. It's yeah, I, I don't think they create necessarily quite as much counter-attacking wise on the left-hand side as we do with with mm-hmm. Kelvin or, or Paul Makaru, whoever's playing there. But when we've got Aziz on the right-hand side, Yidon can pick the ball up. And if there's space, they'll knock the ball in for Aziz to chase it. And it doesn't... I feel like that's dangerous all the time. So if you're an opponent who's watching that for the first time and you think... You know what? Every single time the ball goes down the right-hand side, that right winger is picking the ball up and running at our left back. It's going to worry you as a you know as an opposition fan. We probably become more used to it because we see it all the time. But I think if you were watching that as a you know as a Charleston man yesterday, you'd be sitting there thinking, "Oh well, crap! Like, how on earth do you defend him if he's just going to pick the ball up and run directly at you every time?" The worst thing is though, because for an opposition team, is you've got Nibs trying to do the same. You got Smith trying to do the same as well, and you got Wing taking long range shots. So there's a variation of issues there. But come on, we've got to get into that second goal, Alex. When yeah, the second in, goal comes in. seventh five minutes, and this is a ridiculous finish. Um, the view there's two there's two views I've seen, which are both filmed by different people in the crowd. The view from the uh, the club eighteen seventy one end, the ball gets headed out um, by Tenai Watson, who had a really poor game of right back for Charlton and um, we don't need to touch on him too much but he heads the ball out Femi Aziz is what 17 he's just maybe inside the penalty box gets his foot right over the ball and puts it absolutely peach in the top corner again with a ridiculous amount of power on this um the view from club 1871 you see it and he's hit it and it kind of curls outwards away from him up into the top corner. And I had no idea it had done that because the view from um, the behind the goal, which someone had put up on social media last night, is he's hit it and it just looks like it's rifled straight into the top corner because he's hit it with that much power. You really don't even see the curl, the curl on it from behind the goal. Are you trying to say that he slightly sliced his shot, Alex, and trying to take the glisten off like that beautiful volley? No, I think he's just hit it with that much power that you just can't see the curl on it from behind the goal. Um, whereas when you're watching it from behind, you can see the curl on it directly. It's It reminded me, not well, it doesn't remind me, but the way that the ball's curled reminds me of the goal that Michael Essien scored years ago when the ball kind of comes out to him. And he's hit it with so much power that the ball has basically like gone straight, but it's kind of curved to get there, if that makes sense. It was a pure technique. Oh, wasn't it was it? It's like awesome absolutely stunning goal. I mean, I don't think there's a goalie in the world that would save that shot. I mean, we could talk about the Charlton defending and all that, but I'm not going to bother. I'm just going to talk about the magnificent strike there. And when he hits it, it and like you said, when, Alex, when the finish is that good. Yeah, his body was totally over it. Both feet are off the ground. He's got so much power behind that. And if you were in the Doland, you would have got an absolutely magnificent view of that because if that doesn't go in, you're getting absolutely damaged there. <laughs> you really there, are. There's, there's nothing more satisfying because, again, I was in Club 1871. I had a really good view of it kind of when it went in there. There is nothing more satisfying than being at a game and just seeing a shot where the minute it's hit, you just know it's top corner and you know it's a goal. There is honestly no better feeling. 
And especially when it's just a goal as good as that to make it 2-0, to pretty much wrap up the game. What was it? Around about 80 minutes where he got that second goal. You know, it was a really crucial time to kind of get that goal. Because again, there is, I guess, that fear with Reading that, you know, they're going to concede. You know, maybe that's starting to wear off a little bit, you know, with how well the defence has been doing of late. But it's a really crucial goal. And my God, the, the stadium erupted, Alex, at that point when when that went in. Like I say, there's... I, I I could I could just watch that again and again and again and being in a stadium where you've got that view of it just going in top corner postage stamp it's I it's think just the main thing when when that goal goes in is this, the everyone knows in that stadium everyone knows the game is over it's yeah. done yeah there was no way Charlton was scoring two I think they had very few chances maybe they had one chance that Button made a good save from Matt you can give Button credit here. It's a good save. No, 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 it was a good save, you know, like it was crucial, crucial time. You know, <laughs> no, he made a good, good save. Good save, save with his really feet. It was the only thing he did. Mm-hmm. They, they well, actually, actually, Charlton did game. have, I think Charlton fans might still be celebrating from that first half where, um, where, where they thought that the oh, Binden got a block in the first Binden half, got a block he? and it went, it was just one of those that perfectly it rustled the side of the net, nestled in. It, but it hit the backboard, nestled at the back of the net. It's one of those that if you're where the Charlton fans are, you probably do think that's in. But from everywhere else in the stadium, I mean, well, it wasn't in. So yeah, two two players. And whilst we're talking like defensively, let's let's touch on two centre backs because in Bengue we, we kind of spoke about his long throw in, but at the back centre back, he was pretty good again, to be honest, Paul. Um, and yeah. Binden looks. I mean, Binden, he really reminds me, and I know this sounds, this is obviously very premature and I'm getting ahead of myself, blah, blah, blah. Here we but, go. You know, Brace this yourself, pod- Matt. <laughs> it's, it's a podcast. I'm allowed to throw out wild opinions out there and, and people can come at, come at me for them. Um, he reminds me of a very young Ivar Ingemarsson. <laughs> I knew that was coming. Yeah. I knew that was yeah, coming. I knew that was coming as well. <laughs> and that is an extremely bold claim that you made there. That is big. But I think the fact that he looks a little bit like him as well. Double. You know, mm. yeah, just a little bit like him. Not like a double or anything. Um, one thing I'll say about Ivory, didn't give the ball away so much. And Binden has got that habit of making a bit of a clanger still. He did one yesterday and got away with it. Um yeah, and Bengay's been really good. Um, really surprised me. I didn't expect him to be that good at centre back. I'm quite happy to say that. And he's come in and he's taken his slot, hasn't he? And Barton isn't really having to make many saves. So that says a lot about the defence, doesn't it? You know, that's the ideal situation that you want. You want your goalie just to be there for the rare moments that you want, need him. But yeah, Binden, I think, is. A real, real talent. And I think he can go a long way if he just cuts out a few of those little areas with the passing. And I can give them no more compliment that we're not missing a Premier League defender in Tom Holmes at all since he's gone out. And good luck to Tom. I hope he gets uh, sorted soon. But I don't think we have missed him. I think Sellers' uh, update on Tom Holmes yesterday was he he wouldn't be back before the end of February. So we're going to have at least another three or four games, I think, of Mbengue in and Binden at the back. I think, Matt, this is probably the first run that Mbengue's really had at centre-back. At centre-back, yeah. I mean, he's been kind of... He's been one of these utility players. I mean, I know in the Paul Lint system, he kind of played one of the... Um, I think, was it left... Or, I can't remember if he played left or right centre-back, but in that three at the back, five at the back system, he kind of slotted in there. But certainly in a two at two in the back, it's his first, I guess, extended run 
um i'd say but you know i think with with both of them you know i think we we do know that they've got the ability for a clanger you know with both of them and benge likes to carry the ball and um binden likes to carry the ball they're both very comfortable with it at their feet but you know i think the way that they've come back into this team given that both of them were pretty much freezed out you know by december time because binden started really well went off the boil you know a bit and i guess you know we we're giving him some criticism for kind of you know um some of his performances um in that october november spell the way both of them have come back in and like you say replaced you know a uh, Tom Holmes, Nelson Abbey, even Tom McIntyre, you know, they kept him out of the team, you know, when he came back from injury, you know, the, uh, a few weeks back, you'd be talking about, you know, your fourth and fifth choice centre-backs, but they've come in and they've really kind of grabbed this opportunity and, you know, two clean sheets, I guess, speaks for itself, but I think you've got to look at the the chances that, that, that they've given up, you know, in, in that time. It's not just, you know, they've been lucky clean sheets. They've been good money for, for both clean sheets. And maybe you'd say they were a bit lucky, maybe, you know, at Stevenage with a couple of the chances they had late on. But, you know, I think with with, with what they're doing, um, you know, both in the partnership seeming that, that, that they've been able to fashion up has been fantastic. And, um, certainly from Benge, you know, I mean, he said it in his press conference yesterday or in his interview yesterday that his favourite position would be centre-back. You know, if he got one, if he had to play in one position, um, he would choose centre-back, but he's just happy to play wherever he needs to, to benefit the team. I mean, if he can come in and, you know, um, continue this form, I mean, he's only young. You know, we talk about Binden being young, being what, just turned 19. I think in Benge's, you know, what, 22, 23 years old. I think you he know, was our oldest, our oldest defender at the end of the game yesterday was in Bengway yeah. because we had yeah. Dorset and Briefer and Bengway and Binden at the back mm-hmm. at the end of the game. So, uh, yeah, it's it's such a young back line. It's it's kind of ridiculous that you know they're playing that well together as a unit. Um, let's m- move on. I mean, I could sit here and praise more players. Like you know, I'd love to sit and praise Yeardom and and Wing and you know how well did etc. play, but you know, but we'll, I'm sure we'll hopefully, fingers crossed, be able to touch on them in the continuation of this run. Um, but we had a few people come and ask us questions for today. Uh, Guy and Mike both touched on Aziz. Guy's question around, like, what's, what is driving Aziz's form, basically? Is it confidence, manager, style of play? What is, like, driving that, Paul? Or is it a mixture of everything? I think it's a mixture of all of them, isn't it? And they've also stuck with Aziz whatever his form is, you could say that's because he got no other options, but I don't think that's just the case because he could have played other plays there. I think just the manager believes in him. He's bringing out the best of him. You've got to look at his technical ability now with Femi. All of a sudden, his first touch is way better generally. At some points, especially last season and beginning of this season, it really was poor. Now he's more relaxed when he gets possession. He's going to, you know, he's also making better decisions. He's not having so many shots per game. There was a chance in the first half when he probably should have got a shot away. But, yeah, I I think the manager's got to take a lot of praise from the coaching staff for what they've done with him. They've taken a player who's really wrecked of confidence, I think. And they've, I think they're getting maximum out of him at the moment. You know, maybe he will develop more, but he's playing at a pretty decent level, I would say, over the the whole of the season. I think Sellers needs needs lots of credit for 
for Aziz. You know the way the way he's managed managed him through the season. You know, I I don't think much has changed. You know, with 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 with, with kind of the style of late. You know, to be honest, I think you've just got to give the the management staff and the man man management skills really of them to be managing Aziz. They saw a player was there. You know, I guess some fans saw that. You know, a few years ago when he burst onto the scene, and you know you could see the raw talent there. But the way he's developed over the last few months has been has been fantastic. I think you've got to give Sellers and the the staff a lot of credit. Just one final thing: that you see how much he loves his chant. That shows you how much the fans <laughs> influence the fans, you know, the players, and yeah. their now they're playing. After, after you know, that second goal, mm-hmm. you could yeah. see him like clapping along to his own chant or singing it. Why wouldn't you though? But the, how amazing is that feeling to get that after the rough period he had? Not not for a few good few months now, but you know, for a year or so when he was struggling with injuries and all different things. But it just shows you the influence the crowd can have mm-hmm. on a player. If you keep your faith with them, they can actually really blossom at some point. Yeah. After the game was similar as well, because I mean, you had you had both Aziz and Benge clapping along to the since I was young, and Benge doing a little gritty as well. Um, you know, toward, towards towards the uh, towards the home fans, it was it was a really you can see the confidence that that brings to players, like you say. Let's touch on some boring off the field things because you know it's Reading at Football Club, and we can't not. Um, Andy asks, if the sale hasn't gone through by summer, how difficult is it going to be to try and keep the group together? I can answer that one. Don't need to ask Paul or Matt. Fair Basically right. impossible. Mm. Like the sale has to go through at some point. Otherwise, I think we've probably got bigger issues on our hand than, than keeping the group together. Um, and then Mike's question was around, when are we going to hear about any further points deductions potential? Let's just keep that in mind about delayed tax payments the answer to that one mike is no one really knows but i believe that they have had the hearing on the the hmrc payment pool but last time it last the last hearing that the efl obviously had it then took them a month for actually the decision to be communicated and agreed etc so who really knows is the probable answer yeah i think that's basically it i'm saying probably in a couple of weeks but that's just guesswork really don't know uh, and nobody knows what it's going to be so just speculation really let's let's end it on a positive note because obviously it's one loss in 12 at this point and we are up to the highest position we've been all season at this point 18th we are three points clear of the relegation zone matt we've got 15 games left now and we are currently on 34 points how many points will we score in the last 15 games and what position will we finish in? Bearing in mind that the last 15 games now, Reading are in seventh place in the form table and have scored 27 points in those 15 games. Oh, no, you're asking so if we were me. to match that, we would finish on 61 points. You're asking me to do maths. I, I'm not, I'm, you know me, my bloody brain doesn't work properly at the best of times. Um, I'm going to say... 56 points. I don't know. I don't know how many that means that we get in the meantime where that puts us finishing. Um, I'm going to say we finish. I did a, I did a prediction for a, um, uh, for the chapter did the Oxford preview with, and I said that we'd, I think I predicted us to finish 17th um, in that one, but now we're in that cluster of teams, you know, where you've kind of got very few points between about 14th and 21st. I mean, a few wins will just rocket you up that, that, that kind of area so i think you know we might even be able to maybe get near to mid table towards the end of the season i don't know you know towards like 15th or so who knows but i mean just just get me safety to be honest that's all i care about this year i'll be honest 
Yeah, I think over the next 15 games, if we in any way come near to matching what we've done over the last 16 or so, you've got to be absolutely delighted with that. You know, that would be a magnificent turnaround from the first 15. And then you look at it and you think, okay, two thirds of the season, we were actually pretty good. Yeah. And if that new owner comes in, keeps some of the players, signs new players, you look at next season very differently. But I am not getting ahead of myself like Matt. We've got to get safety first. I'm going to get ahead of myself. I'm going to say we're going to finish 12th. We're going to finish in the top half. (laughs) I'm amazed you didn't say playoffs. No, no, I think the playoffs, the playoffs is maybe a little bit out of reach at this point. But, you know, let's let's be positive. You know, we've we've only lost one. 100%. 100%, Once in a few yeah. months, we're only six points behind Bristol Rovers. Teams above us aren't that good. Like you know, we're winning games. Why can't we finish twelfth? Or there's 11th, no one in this, even there's not one team in this league that we can't beat. I, I don't believe that. We can also lose to any of them, but we can beat any of them. Uh, I think we've got we've got every chance to be able to finish close to the top ten. Oh, no, no, top ten, top twelve though. I think we've got a definite chance to finish in the top half. He's going up. He's going down. He's going up. Ten twelve. <laughs> I think we'll finish on 61 or 62 points. We'll we'll match what we've done over the last 15 games, roughly. What's that, 30 points from 15? We've got 27 from the last 15, yeah. 27 to get that, okay. That would get us to 61 if we match that. So I reckon we'll get to 60, and then that will get us 12th, 13th, maybe. Something like that. That will be... That would be an incredible season, I think, really. Can, it can I just say how much fun it is to record podcasts continuously now? When it's not grim, because we have had a, a lot, lot of, of grim times. Yep. <laughs> I bet it's, I bet <laughs> it it's enjoyable for nice. people to listen to as well. For once, yeah, I massively mm. appreciate people who listen to us all those dark times, and who knows what might come up. But at the moment, I'm feeling optimistic. So, Paul, Paul, you got to you got to enjoy it, but you got to enjoy it by being disciplined. <laughs> oh, don't go all Colin on me. <laughs> <laughs> on a side note, Neil Warnock's now managing again. Um, yes, Aberdeen somehow. So that's that's completely, you know, not surprising news in the slightest. Um, and in other not surprising news, we will be back again with another podcast after the Fleetwood game in midweek. It's going to be a bloody long journey um, because it's not about five hours to Fleetwood or something stupid. But thankfully, Matt mm-hmm. has been volunteered to drive by me. Um, been volunteered so as tribute. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. think we'll be getting back to Reading at probably three in the morning or something stupid. So that will be a that'll be a fun Wednesday after that. But we'll be back on Wednesday to record the podcast at some point once one once both of us have actually, you know, awoken. Um so join us on Wednesday for a rundown of the Fleetwood game. If you enjoyed today's podcast, do give us a five-star rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, whatever you listen to your Elm Pot Rolls podcast on. And until then, up the ding.